0: How's it going, everyone? Welcome back to Disciple Making Youth Ministry. We've been on a bit of a break lately. This is an episode we recorded back in 2021 with Dave Lusk, looking at disciple making in big church ministry. You're not going to want to miss this one.
1: This idea that, you know, if you're trying to get a lot of students in, you're probably sacrificing discipleship along the way. And it took a while to kind of overcome that thing of like, no, you can genuinely push and and get both happening at the same time. But you have to be strategic
0: about it. Welcome to the Disciple Making Youth Ministry podcast, where we talk about the calling of youth pastors to equip students for the work of making disciples, moving teens from church attenders to disciple makers. Here are your hosts, Joel Friend and Jeremy Collins. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Disciple
2: Making Youth Ministry podcast. It is the week after Thanksgiving on our end. And did any of you guys travel anywhere?
0: No.
1: I mean, Armstrong County, it's a little bit of a trek, but like I wouldn't officially call it travel.
2: Oh, wow. So, um, I wanted to get us kicked off this episode with a little bit of a question, and then we'll talk to you guys about exactly what it is we're going to talk about in this episode. So the thought I had was, or the question I had was, uh, during Thanksgiving dinner, what food do you avoid like the plague? When you see it, you go, nope, I'm good.
0: Vegetables?
2: Just just that category. <laughs> category. No,
0: not necessarily. Well, this year, luckily, we, we ordered from the Mars Farmhouse Cafe. Not a sponsor, but uh, you should check it out. Uh, so we got to choose what we would order. Okay. The only thing I avoided, I didn't really love the uh, the stuffed mushrooms. Uh, I like mushrooms usually, but eh, I avoided that this time. But uh-huh. Otherwise, I'll, I'll eat almost anything covered in gravy, and yeah, I could eat it.
1: There you go. Dave? So this is going to be super
2: controversial because it's western Pennsylvania, but mashed potatoes. Okay, so that's a problem. Now, do your mashed potatoes have garlic on them? Doesn't matter. Okay. Well, not everybody's perfect. So, continue. Potatoes are the most boring food in the world. Well, Good. thanks for coming on. Don't, Good, We're don't, don't talk. at me. <laughs> and that'll be it for today's episode, everybody.
0: So thank you for tuning in. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Disciple Making Youth Ministry Podcast.
2: Uh, mine would probably, I mean, I avoid cranberry sauce like the plague. And then the others, yeah. But then the other thing of naturally is um, green bean casserole. Like, why do people make green bean casserole? And then they put a bunch of, what is it even on green bean casserole? Cream of mushroom Cream soup. And mushroom. Oh, yeah. No. That's fantastic. No, it's it's like mashed. It's <laughs> like Only my if mashed it's potatoes. Got the crunchy <laughs> onions on top. It's my mashed. Yeah, potatoes. it's got to have. Onions. Otherwise, it's
1: not. No, it's it's just, just soggy green beans. It's just soup green beans. Yeah, it's the yeah, it's the crunchy bit on top
2: that. <laughs> so that <sells> it. <laughs> well, if you're still with us, um, we're going to be talking today with our good friend Dave Lusk. Dave, we've known each other for a long time. We went to Geneva College together many many moons ago. Yeah. Uh, and what we wanted to do in our season two was have conversations with uh, uh, kind of the the diners and drive-ins, faithful week-in and week-out people who serve in youth ministry. And uh, you and I were on the phone a couple of weeks ago, and you've actually worked in a couple different large church settings. Because I think one of the things that, uh, that Jeremy and I have talked about in the past is, you know, it's kind of easier to do youth ministry in a small church setting because you have less people to disciple and so on and so forth but the challenges that ultimately come along uh, with trying to make disciples in like a 2000 you know person church. I mean even some people would say like a 500 person church. That's the, probably the size of our church. Is a big church and how do you make disciples when your youth ministry is in the 1 to 200 student range? I can I can imagine, you know, for, you know, a 10,000 person church what that would look like. And so we're excited to have you here today, but we wanted to start off just having you introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so uh,
1: as Joel said, went to Geneva together and ha- have been doing youth ministry in the trenches here in the Pittsburgh area for A while. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Somewhere along the way, you know, we hit veteran status, right? Started going to like the... When was that? I don't
0: remember. I remember it was when I showed up to a PKF meeting and I looked around and went, is everyone still in college? (laughs) It was just a moment. I don't know when it was, but. that
2: that's it. That's probably good is when you look around and you don't remember you you look around and you don't recognize anyone yeah. and you don't see anybody you know. Yeah. That's yeah. A, That's probably a sign. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for me
1: I think it was the uh Pittsburgh Youth Workers Conference mm. where I was like in the lobby talking to people and suddenly people wanted to talk to me. Wow. Like I wasn't like I was being sought out. Like people had questions about what I was doing and suddenly it was just like <laughs> Why do people want to know what I'm doing? Right. Yeah. Right. This is this is weird.
2: <laughs> you did want to. You did want us to introduce you as the least interesting, youth. The, youth, the youth least ministry
1: impressive guy. Yeah. youth ministry guy in the world. Yeah. I will happily own that title. Um, yeah. That's that, good. That's over the years. Uh, you know, I, I've never had name recognition. Right. Not a Doug Fields. Not a Josh Griffin or yeah. a Justin Knowles. Um, and I'm good with that. I've, my goal has never been to be impressive. Uh, but I've had like. Oh, I know your church. Oh, you're the youth guy at insert church name here. And like there's this moment that I you can see it on their faces. They look at you and like wait a minute. You're not because like they there's this somehow picture of like, I don't know, am I supposed to be like glowing or 12 pack abs, or like you know, every word I say is this super profound, tweetable thing, and it's like You've got a stain on your shirt, and you, you're not you're in skinny a, jeans. No, and you're <laughs> you're drinking coffee at Dunkin'. Like, right? Yeah. yeah. Who is this? And yeah. but it's this wonderful moment because it's like you're right. I'm not impressive. And yeah. Like, it's very freeing because suddenly it's the mm-hmm. oh we can just network and connect and like there's not this like crazy barrier between us. It's the, no, I do youth ministry just like, I, you know, have to clean up awkward messes from middle schoolers right, yeah. <laughs> just yeah. like everybody yeah. else.
0: Well, and I think there is a celebrity culture that's built up in Christianity that, that builds this aura of, oh, if you are at X size church, then there are some stereotypes absolutely mm-hmm. that fall into that. Um, and the, the reality also is you're probably not networking as closely with some of these smaller churches. So it also feels like, He's mysterious. Yeah. Who is this guy? Am I allowed to talk to him? I'm like, <laughs> Right.
1: am. It's okay. That's You're also going to be extremely underwhelmed. That's the other yeah. thing. Right.
2: Yeah. How many How many kids do you have? Seven? Yeah. If it's, you know, if there's not a play. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, right. If there's not a play Depends this on week. Depends time of the year. Time of yeah. year, yeah. So you've been, you know, what's interesting is you, uh, we're in the Pittsburgh area, but you've kind of been in the outskirts. I mean, you're... I was, yeah. yeah, yeah. You you had a time where you were in. You I know, was up in Armstrong County. Yeah. yeah, you you were you were at a church in Catanning, yeah. and I was and I had to Google that. Yeah, like yeah, where where, where is, was what that? the heck is Catanning? Yeah, how long were you there for? Uh, I was there for
1: seven years. Yeah, uh, it was a multi-site four-campus church. Um, I built. Uh, I like to say I built the largest student ministry in the county, which is pretty. It's I mean it's a little like being the world's tallest midget. Right, 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 we, right, right. It right. still counts. <laughs> we don't say that word anymore <laughs> I'll bleep that out too so but it, you know it was awesome and, and we did we had you know challenges and difficulties and opportunities that come along with that uh, and then was at another large church here in Allegheny County um, five campuses that I was overseeing
2: so. so do you do any churches that are less than three campuses not anymore not anymore no. <laughs> not anymore yeah, there, I think in our area, there's like, I think there's like one church that's the primary, like has a bunch of different mm-hmm. places all over here, but uh, they're a good church, good church, good people there. Mm-hmm. So, well, awesome. And so as we jump into this conversation here today, you know, if you are a small church youth ministry person, maybe one day you'll move up to the big leagues. <laughs> And you'll be a large church youth ministry person, (laughs) and you'll be able to glean from all of Dave's things here. But if you are a large church youth ministry person, maybe you'll find what Dave has to share is really helpful. Because our goal here on this podcast is to help move students from church attenders to disciple makers. Mm -hmm. We want to have our students... No matter what size of ministry we have, be able to be disciples and make disciples. And you know, some of the things I've learned from you over the years is that I think you've you've learned how to do that well, not without your mistakes, mm. not without your errors, like we have often <laughs> talked about here on this podcast. Mm-hmm. So, uh, look, uh, I want to just just kind of ask that question: it's like when you were going through this process of arriving where you ended up arriving at? You know, what are some of the challenges and the advantages? of serving in a youth ministry that's in kind of a large church context.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: so when I think about that, I also
1: think about this, right? If you are a small church listening right now, you know, ditch the small church, large church yeah, yeah, moniker. Gotcha. Let's let's just talk about, like, what are you doing that's working well, and how can you continue to yeah. multiply mm-hmm. that effect? Um, you know, because when I started at Harvest, we had about 25 students, right? Mm-hmm. And, and built that up mm-hmm. over the years. Sorry, keep Smacking into things, (laughs) Uh, large man, small studio, Uh, (laughs) right? But uh, I think too one of the things that that often hearing from folks and connecting with folks, right? When you start talking big church, everyone kind of has this idea in the back of their minds, like if it's a big church, it's really wide and not very deep, right? That mile wide, inch deep kind of thought, and like there are definitely some large churches that have earned that, mm-hmm. it, sure you know, and, and that would be that, but like, not all that, right? Because a lot of times what helps us go wide is going deep, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of the mistakes I think i made early, early on in, in just doing ministry and thinking about ministry was that I had to like pick health and discipleship or group size, mm. right? That I had to pick one or the other to be doing well. And, and like even some of this came out at Geneva, right, a little bit. And I'm not knocking I love the school. You should definitely go there for ministry. You definitely shouldn't go there for like art history <laughs> or, <laughs> you know, like there are degrees that are worth paying private college money for. Right. And there are degrees that are not worth right. paying private college money for. Yeah. Um, but like this idea that, you know, if you're trying to get a lot of students in, you're probably sacrificing mm. discipleship along the way. And, and it took a while to kind of overcome that thing. you like, no, you can genuinely push and, and get both happening at the same time. But you have to be strategic about it, yeah. right? It's not going to, yeah. growth in size is not going to happen on its own. And growth in terms of depth and discipleship is not going to happen on its own. Um, and like, <laughs> you know, stepping into a large church role and it's like, well, if we just do the thing, students will show up. That's not true. And that's especially not true today, right? Yeah. Every, every year I've been doing this, that's been more and more Not true, Mm. right? If you build it, they will come. Yes. May have worked for Kevin Costner, but... Right, right, yeah. (laughs) Isn't really working in student ministries today. For
0: you younger folks listening, is a Field of Dreams (laughs) (laughs) reference. Um, And, uh, sorry.
1: Kevin Costner is an actor. (laughs) He's in
0: movies. (laughs) This one's about baseball and corn. So I I think talking about those stereotypes um, can be helpful because I think... There's a few things, and even early on in in my ministry, and even when I went to seminary, I kind of caught what some other people were doing. It's like, well, if—and you joked about it before earlier in this podcast episode, is this idea of like, oh, I'll make it when I get Mm -hmm. to a big Mm
1: -hmm. church.
0: And and I think that there is a problem in uh, ministry, I won't just say youth ministry, where people are looking to the next platform instead of being uh, present in the one they're at because mm-hmm. they're like oh this is a stepping stone to get to that that real youth ministry job i want and and, yeah. and 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 i think that helping talk about what discipleship looks like in a bigger context will also demystify some of this like oh yeah now you've made it right. <laughs> now now yeah. you're a youth pastor with some renown and i appreciate uh your your attitude of coming on being the least impressive <laughs> youth pastor because i think that it's it it's ironic obviously but also it's it's important for people to hear that in ministry that the place that God has you called to is the right place. Mm-hmm. Now, don't get me wrong. If you're in a place that God has not called you to, then, then yes, you, you should discern and, and move on. But um, I think people are too quick to try to move on to mm-hmm. the bigger youth ministry. And I want the bigger youth ministry. Why? Yeah. Let's talk about that. Why? From, yeah, what's like, what, the drive behind that? Yeah. yeah,
1: absolutely. And And here's what I'll say. If you can't make one disciple, you're not going to disciple a hundred students well. Right, right. Yeah. If you like, so Amen. if you're listening to this, you're in college, you're thinking about youth ministry, or you're 50 years into your job, get good at discipling one person. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and be faithful with that. And when I say discipling, here's something that that I always keep in mind when I think about making a disciple, right? I haven't successfully made a disciple until my disciple has made a mm-hmm. disciple. Okay. Yeah. Right. Because That's a great- Jesus tells right, to go and make disciples of all nations, right, baptizing, teaching them to obey. Well, what are they obeying? They're obeying that exact command, too, to go and make disciples. So if I've trained a student to know all the Bible and to pray well and to, right, to wrestle with all the big things of faith and to own their faith, but they're not able to go and then replicate themselves, Mm -hmm. make a disciple themselves, they're not really a disciple yet. And that means I haven't done my job yet, right? That. That then comes back to me more than it comes to them.
0: Well, and that's what we talked about on our previous episode when we had Travis Deans on talking about outreach clubs in schools and how we can equip students to do ministry, not just theorize, talk about it, and then, oh, why did they leave the church when they were in college? Well, they never actually Mm -hmm. did anything, right? Yeah,
1: that's a huge, huge thing. And that's one of the things, like, early on, one of the hindrances actually to our growth in terms of size, you know, big group, was our building, mm. right? So I had to, at a certain point, we we had some of our, like our biggest event of the year had a hard ceiling on it. We just were not seeing more students come. And it was like, what is going on? And so we had to start thinking outside the walls of our building. Mm. And so we actually partnered with the local high school to use their space and to do their do our event in their space, mm. which, like, that took two years of mm. goodwill building with the school to get them comfortable. Because uh, And I know probably a lot of you have hit this, right? You go talk to the schools these days. They just don't want to get sued, mm. right? That mm-hmm. They don't want to show up in the newspaper. They don't want to get sued, right? Mm-hmm. A- and so you come in the door, and they're like, ah, this just – smells of trouble, right? (laughs) You're going to have me showing up in headlines. Somebody from WPXI is going to be down here knocking on my office door and that's not okay. Right.
2: Right. right. And so
1: you got to, you got to build relationships into your community, right? If you're going to be a big church in a community, Mm -hmm. you got to build relationships into your community. Otherwise, they're not going to like you,
2: (laughs) you know, and that's not, that's not the relationship you want to have with your community. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what else do you think would be—what do you think are some advantages of, of being a large church? So I know there's some challenges along the way, but, like, what do you think are some advantages?
1: Yeah, I mean, you'd want to say things like budget and all that, but it's, okay. it's really not true. Like, yeah. yeah, I got you. I got you. <laughs> you know, it, so so when I think of advantages, I, I think one of the biggest advantages— Is being able to do and design your own programming so love the Laurelville guys love what they're doing they were on you know a few episodes ago now but like being able to from scratch plan and execute your own retreat yeah where you know what's being taught you know the exact schedule you've you've built it and designed it to fit your group and what your group needs right now that's huge it's game-changing i mean it's game-changing because like you go to laurelville and it's great and you have a great time but you're trying to capture moments right you're trying to take advantage of moments as they come up here you can manufacture them yeah and i don't mean that as like disingenuous manufacturing i mean that as genuine like what does my group need and what's going to to hit that need right now um so being able to design that, but then also within being able to design those things, you can entrust leadership to adult and student leaders, right? Mm. So you can have students lead worship for the weekend. They're yeah. going to yeah. own yeah. part of that ministry. And one of the things I, I'm always thinking about <clears throat> with our students is this question of, and you guys are really diving into this, am I creating a consumer or am I creating a disciple, mm-hmm. right? Right. Uh, are my students just partaking in the meal or are they helping to cook the meal, mm. right? So if we if we use a restaurant analogy, right, is my program just me taking students to a fancy restaurant all the time and then when they're not in the program anymore, they're not going to mm-hmm. eat there? Mm-hmm. Or am I actually teaching them how to, how to cook it, right? Yeah. Am I a restaurant or am I a culinary school, you know? Um, and so building into your calendar custom-designed retreats that okay. you do yourself... Or mission trips or weeks of camp, right? So when we, when I do mission trips, we don't contract with, like, Group or Praying Pelican or, you know, all future sponsors of the Disciple Making <laughs> podcast, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Those are great organizations. And if you don't have the resources and the ability, right, if you're a smaller church, it can be hard to just get margin in your schedule to do the normal day in, day out things. Yeah. Um, let alone designing a week-long mission trip to some, you know, international location and handling all that. But designing it myself means we can do team meetings beforehand, right? We Mm -hmm. do six, seven pre-trip team meetings where we're training as a team through cross-cultural things and teaching students to share their story and their faith. One of the greatest things I ever came across, and I wish I knew how to give credit properly to this, but I don't even know who came up with it, but sharing your testimony is a question, right? So instead of like, here's how I was before Christ, and here's how I came to know Christ, and here's how God's been doing things, right? That's good, and we want to hit the core of that, but it can be difficult, especially when you go to another country, to translate that, and it can be hard to share in a moment, and so we teach students instead to ask a question. So what is that thing that Christ has done in your life, right? So like me, uh, I was always a, a people pleaser, mm-hmm. right? I was always trying to just win love from people. Mm-hmm. And so my testimony starts with, have you ever felt like you were just trying to live your life to make somebody love you? It's the, yeah, I felt that like. That's a you hook, know, like, yeah, in. yeah, Yeah, and so being able to train students to do that. And then they actually, everybody shares their testimony and training and they do it that way. And we, you know, work together. So, you know, we went to a, an orphanage in Mexico and we designed our own VBS week. And the way we did that was told everybody, okay, next training, you're going to come with a game idea and a craft idea and a lesson idea. Mm. And we're going to put all of them on the whiteboard, and then we're going to vote. And I have a system of voting where you can't vote for your idea first. Mm -hmm. You have to vote for somebody else's. Mm. Then we do a second round of voting, and you can vote for your idea. But you have to vote for different things but each at that time. point you might not even like your. You idea you might not anymore. like your idea right, there right, might right. be another idea Everyone's you like good. more <laughs> but then at the end of it we have okay what are the top five games <laughs> if you came with that game right, 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 idea yeah, yeah. you're leading the game if you came with that craft idea you're if you came with that lesson you're leading the lesson yeah. and so then it's my job as the trip leader to work with each of those people yeah. on their game on their craft on their lesson so when we get to the field they're the ones executing
2: it yeah yeah, so that ownership of faith mm-hmm. and that ownership of what it is that they're involved in—I mean, it helps them to feel as though that once they get to like—I I was thinking about um, this young woman in our youth ministry uh, who just graduated this last year. She maybe two years ago, uh, we uh, we didn't have a worship leader, but she was like kind of in this growing phase where she mm-hmm. was in that, and they came to her. Her and her friend came to me and said, "Hey, we'd love to." Lead this worship for uh, our retreat that we do. That's separate from Lorelai. It's our winter one, and I was torn on it because I I didn't want them to be removed from the experience of actually because mm-hmm. I because I know what it is to lead worship and have to yeah. be focused on the crowd and make sure verse and I, and I actually miss the worship aspect and I wanted them to go as you know people who were um, and having that experience themselves. But then it turned out to be a good decision to have them go through with that and we practiced and they worked hard and that was a catalyst for that that girl to continue to grow and mm-hmm. now this last year uh, this last semester in her first semester in college someone uh, you know found out that she was a worship leader and they they did this at grove city it was like 24 hours of worship wow. and they had an hour and she and her roommate who was also in our youth ministry uh sang and you know did worship for an hour and, and awesome. it, would she have? Felt like she had the confidence to be able to do that. Had she not gone through sure. those early phases, so I think mm-hmm. that's that's really good. I have a question to ask you, but I wanted to see if Jeremy had any questions to ask.
0: Well, me. not a question, but a response to because uh, you brought something up that I forgot about. But that idea of like building it yourself mm-hmm. and and how that works, um, I hadn't thought of that being an advantage. But I think that really is an interesting way to to be able to look at ministry when you have the resources, the time, the, the leaders mm-hmm. around you. Uh, when I first started in youth ministry, I knew nothing about group or any of these. So I built a missions trip going back to New York City where nice. I, near where I grew up. Um, and I, I look back at that and I think about that trip and I think, wow, there were some real... Specific moments on that trip, other than the kids thinking my my parents drive crazy because they're from New York, because they were our <laughs> chauffeurs around everywhere, and um, and one kid almost falling in the subway because he we saw a rat. Die? Yeah, let's <laughs> like, yeah. bring a bunch of Western PA kids to uh, New York City and they all stand like this at the subway station. I'm like, move. And you gotta, <laughs> you move, gotta you folks. <laughs> um, So there were some moments that I'm like, I don't know that I'd do that again, but I I, I think that that's interesting because then. Um, as I'm thinking about that, I'm also thinking about your your own program, your own curriculum, your own mm-hmm. discipleship. Uh, you, you just have a lot more uh, fine tuning ability to mm-hmm. really do when the space and time is made for that. When you have the program that that allows for mm-hmm. that that uh, size. Um, so that was just my thought. Um, I didn't necessarily have a, a question, but you, I know you saw me thinking. Yeah, so, yeah. I always see. You um, thinking. But I guess a follow up to that is well, what what. What has been the, the, the most influential thing you've planned from scratch?
1: Yeah, so I think one of the most impactful things I did uh, was just throwing out the, the, the boxed retreat idea. Because even early on, I was trying to recreate things that we were doing at Laurelville with ski trips and different stuff like that. And I said, you know... One, is this for outreach or is this for discipleship? Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Question. And, yeah. and for us, retreats were not really good outreach mm. because they're expensive. True. Like, yeah. <laughs> hey, come do this thing with me. It's a one hundred and twenty dollars. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Outreach needs to be, hey, come do this thing with me. It's free or at most it's ten bucks and we'd even pay the ten bucks. Right. Mm. Uh, and so throwing that idea out and then asking what are the barriers to students getting there, right? And so one of the biggest barriers is Friday night. If you're doing something in the fall mm-hmm. and you got band kids and football kids and majorettes and color guard and whatever else, Friday night's pretty well spoken for. right? Yeah. And so we said, okay, we're not gonna do retreats. We're gonna do escape weekends. We rebranded and then said, we're gonna do Saturday through Sunday. And we're going to get back Sunday when church is letting out. So the parents can go to church, grab their kids right at the end of service and peace out. Um, and I said, okay, if we're doing Saturday, we're missing that Friday night relationship, hangout, yeah, yeah, good yeah, time. Yeah. And so we just said, well, why do we need a bedtime on Saturday? <laughs> like if you're only doing Saturday, Sunday, why do they have to go to bed at 11? Who's? And so then we were like, How could we pack even more? So we started doing it on fallback weekend, Mm -hmm. so you get a free extra hour thrown in there for you know the price of the weekend. (laughs) Yeah, right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the reason we did this was like, how do we start cutting costs too? Right, if we were, if this is discipleship and we want to tell students we're going to invest in you and pour into you, how do we make it affordable for them? And so we did all of that. We were able to right, if we meet Saturday morning, we're skipping breakfast. We just have lunch, dinner breakfast sunday so three meals we were able to get the cost down to like 50 bucks a student mm. which was huge for us mm. and then we said okay we're gonna make this discipleship intensive yeah. so the very first one we just did it on prayer we said do you and we just asked students right. yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. what do you feel like you don't know and they were like we don't know how to pray great yeah we're gonna go teach you how we're gonna take a weekend we're gonna go teach you how to pray, yeah. and we talked about different ways to pray, and we yeah. talked about Jesus and his example. Right, the the when it's even as even the disciples came up to Jesus, and we're like, <laughs> well, we do don't we do know, how we know how to pray, <laughs> right? And so we shouldn't be surprised when students ask that. And yep. so we did. We unpacked that, and we. We had like a half hour alone time of prayer, very much influenced by the the Laurelville time that that they do, you know, so stealing good ideas where good ideas are and, you know, putting them into your own thing. We did prayer stations, um, Mm -hmm. you know, so had some different opportunities with that to design some cool things and, you know, would be glad to share resources on that. We had like prayer chain where you, you wrote down the names of people who influenced you, right, who built into you and. We built this giant chain of names of people mm-hmm. who've influenced, and we prayed for each one as we put it on there. We, we did uh, prayers for our leaders. So we had students write out a prayer for their leader and mm. stuff in an envelope and oh, mailed great. those out. No, we, yeah, all kinds of different, you know, um, different things like that, and I mean, it was hugely impactful. And we did fun stuff, too. I mean, we did, uh, you know— we did Gaga ball. We did fun games. Yeah, yeah, we did yeah, late right, night yeah. stuff, and then the late night time Saturday. I mean, they were going until three, four. Some of them
2: stayed up the whole night. But like, it's one night. It won't kill them. Right, they can right. do that. They're young. <laughs> yeah, I would. Sometimes I'll have the parent be like, "Can you make sure that my kid is in bed by ten thirty? I don't want them to get sick." Yeah, I've I've had those things. Yeah, that's that's great. Yeah, <laughs> that's I I think yeah. I think it was, that was that was a change we made about eight years ago. Was we noticed that we had this trip for that was outreach minded mm-hmm. and that, that was great and it served its purpose and then I was like well what about what yeah. about discipleship what about something that actually feeds into our kids in such a way that it not only bonds them together because what's funny is that when we go away for the camp that we'll be going away to this weekend Friday. there's a uh, there's all this like um, you know all the separate stuff that you do, right? Mm-hmm. So you don't actually spend a whole lot of time. Like the guys will spend a lot of time with guys, the girls will spend a lot of time with girls, but guys and girls together it doesn't happen as much. But to be able to get together in community in that mm-hmm. way, we've some of our best memories have come from that. But it's also like an opportunity to get pretty intensive. Like I I almost never package it. I say I say come to our Paul's High School Discipleship Retreat weekend. There you go. That's yeah. it. That, if in like what do we do there? Well, we eat. We pray, we worship, we teach, yep. we eat, we pray, we worship, we te- and we play. We play mm-hmm. in there too. But I think, like, we, when I tell kids, I said, "This is a serious weekend," and mm-hmm. it's amazing mm-hmm. how many kids still sign up for it. Yeah, right. So you would think that certain kids would, you oh, know, we, we've had we've had years where pulse has been higher than mm-hmm. uh, than, than Laurelville has. But it's been interesting because, not to get back to camps, but it's part of it too. But like uh, camps aren't yielding as much. In terms of like kids, Mm -hmm. don't like maybe non Christian kids, like so. This is what ends up happening is that kids just end up bringing kids from other churches, Mm -hmm. right? It's not that they're actually bringing their friends from that. So, this is very interesting. Sorry, we got a little tangent with camp, which is which is good, (laughs) but I I did have a quick question for you was this was. You know, what would you say is was the peak amount of students that you had in your ministry at one time? But then also, how many volunteers did you have to help run that ministry? Yeah, so that's one of the big things,
1: right? So if you're going to create margin for yourself to be able to design your own things, right? So if you're designing a discipleship weekend, you got to plan 3-4 messages, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And deep dives and sessions like that and like you got to create room in your schedule for that to happen. So the biggest thing I can tell you and this is where I think, right, so this will get into the numbers thing. Right around 50 students is where most guys hit their ceiling. Hmm. Um, it's just what I've seen. It's just the reality of, of you know, more than 50 students, it gets really difficult. Hmm. Um, because you're pulled in a lot of different directions. You got all this different stuff going on. And, right, that's why a lot of churches will just hire a second person at 50. Hmm. Um, that's what we did yep yeah and that's not bad no that's not a bad way to do it at all but here's what i would say more than hiring another person is learning to replicate yourself into your leaders so every year i was at harvest i asked myself this question what am i doing that nobody else is doing and who could be doing it with me Mm. Uh, and then as you begin to develop your leaders in that way you begin to then entrust them with authority as well. Um, so uh, we probably had, I don't know, 30, 40, some volunteer leaders that I was working with, um, in different roles, in different capacities. Right. Uh, at one point I had to like hand over admin stuff on day of to a volunteer leader. Cause like it never fails 10 minutes before I need to be up and getting ready to deliver a message. Somebody's like crying in the bathroom or right. has this, or like they have a crisis and they need me. So I then become the bottleneck to our growth. Mm. So I got to so take that part that I'm bottlenecking, and I got to train a leader and then entrust them to lead that. right. Yeah. So one of the hardest things I think every youth pastor has is actually letting things go. Sure. So I was leading our worship team as the adult leader, like not from the stage, thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> um, slight side, one of the secret things that people don't know about, Dave, he actually can play guitar and sing. There you go. Uh, but Don't tell them. No, no yeah. Now the, you have to get skinny jeans. Well, yeah, the tw- sing, the f- 12 of you that are listening now. <laughs> right. No, no. The the ones who He's didn't tune. Out, the ones who didn't tune out after he said no to mashed potatoes. <laughs> right. Are, yeah, That's right. That's are, right. If, you're are, you're <laughs> here, if you're still here. You're still with me. You're still here. but right so I got an adult leader to cover worship and to work with the team on worship. and, and so but that meant not only working with her but entrusting authority to her. Mm. Right. And when I say authority, you know, this is the other thing you got to think structure and design and detail. Right. If you want to get beyond that 50, mm-hmm. you got to actually think through what does it mean to entrust someone with authority. Right. And so when I think of authority, I think of four kind of different ways. Right. So there's the authority where I tell you what I need you to go and do. There's the authority where I tell you what needs to be done, but then trust you to go do it. There's authority where uh, you go and do the thing but you come back to me and I give final approval of yes or no you can do that you can't do that and then there's authority where you just keep me in the loop on what you're doing right so that last level of authority you're keeping me in the loop on what's going on that's where you need to get your leaders to hmm. but that's a scary place as a youth pastor because sure. you actually got to that's genuinely handing it over yeah. right mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Uh, Jamie who was our, our adult worship coordinator as a volunteer and she does great she wanted to change what night they were practicing and the you know number of songs there and like great do it just tell me what night you pick i don't need to decide what night right. you need to decide what, night. Right. You to decide what night. Right, right, right you just got to keep me in the loop jd who was like my crisis management admin guy would just come up to me at the end of the night and tell me how many students were crying in the bathroom right, right? Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah you know or what what things happened or mm-hmm. hey you need to connect with this leader because they had this happen in their group, right? But I had I had to be willing to let that go enough that he's the one handling that, right? That's a big trust and that that's trust. And that is something that we don't do well as leaders. So yeah. I'm going to throw myself under that bus sure. too. Yeah. Because I can't tell you how many youth pastors I've met that are like, I can't take a week off. How could I how could I let somebody else like All right. we take weeks off when youth group has weeks off? Yeah. Sure. So honest question for you guys have you ever taken a week off and had somebody else teach and lead your group like your youth group was still going to happen but you weren't going to be there
0: uh not intentionally so but yes it's happened
2: oh yeah it's happened when i was at a youth pastor conference in california yeah so So here's yeah here's what i I
0: missed lauraville what was it three years ago when my or two years ago when my father-in-law passed away and i just had to say Leading hey, the yeah yeah yeah. And yeah. and it ended up being one of those weekends where I had a dad and a high school student leading the guys mm-hmm. and Kaylin who was on staff leading all the girls And it. Again, God provided, but you're right. So like she had a safety net in place, but but I wasn't willing to trust them until I was well, forced
2: into it. Not not to defend myself, but it was one of those like <laughs> no one else has keys and a code. Sure. So uh-huh. I've, I've had the nights where I was there, oh, yeah. but I wasn't there. Uh-huh. But I've had I've had to like, I have to unlock this place. I have to lock it back up. I have, I'm the only one who has authority to be able mm-hmm. to do that. But yeah. those are things that have happened. So be away on a night. When I've been sick, yeah, those mm-hmm. things have happened, but never a built-in. But, in
0: but also in a lot of what you've talked about, we've been trying to do the same, which is when you start handing off parts of the night, like, like that's the I think some of the first step is who, who's teaching, mm-hmm. who's who's leading um, mm-hmm. the way that you guys do Bible study and have students take ownership and start leading that as opposed to, hey, everyone gets to hear from Joel now. Right. Yeah. Like I think you've handed off some of that. Mm-hmm. We've done some of that as well, where some of our leaders have now been leading in different ways. And so um, and there's great. ways to do it. But you're right. How often am I home when youth group is happening? And
1: so that's a trust thing. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's hard. Do you trust your team enough? And then more importantly. God enough mm. to believe that your ministry can happen without you there, mm. right? So you want to know how you become the least important, least impressive youth you pastor in the world. <laughs> Train your team to be able sure, to yeah. do it without sure, you. sure. And, and be intentional, right? So if you're listening to this, here's Challenge Dave coming through. So I'm going to challenge you this year coming, right? So by the end of 2022, put a, put a Sunday, a Wednesday, whatever night you meet on the calendar where it's not a crisis. It's not a this. It's yeah. an important night but you're going to trust your team to run it. And if you can't yet, then you
2: got something to work towards. So here's the thing. I, I it's never been an issue of trust for me. Okay. I, 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 would say that I think it's just a, I think it's a logistical thing. Mm. I, I think on my end, because we're, where we're at and how we do things now, it'd be very easy for me to like this Thursday, not be there at all. I, I, I am teaching this Thursday, so I'm on the schedule for that. But it wouldn't be that hard for me to just show up and, and unlock the doors, know, unlock and, the doors hey, and then come, and back. Then I mean, come at the yeah, end of the night and lock the, everything back you know, up. No, it would not be that hard for me to do that good. at all. And Sorry. so I think like, uh, I think that's a good point uh, of thinking. And I've actually I've had a buddy, Rob, who like, <laughs> he and I were at a uh, – I like the band Thrice, and so does Rob. And uh, we were at a Thrice concert together, and it was on like a – I think it was like a Tuesday night. And that's when his – I was like, hey, when's your youth group meet? He's like, right now. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah because he had so he had yeah. this uh woman who's actually now in charge of their youth ministry uh who was there um doing it and he mm-hmm. was like yeah and i was like oh this was like three years ago i was mm-hmm. like i want to do that it's oh. like i, I want to be able to do that and yeah. we've, we've been able to do that but i think yeah for the me it's it's mostly been the logistic thing i, mm-hmm. I completely trust our leaders to be able sure. to do things sure. well and have things ready to go i think yeah, yeah the other thing is this like we have to set up and tear down the night. Mm. We have okay. to. We're the ones who are trained in the sound booth. Yeah, to, you're doing it wrong, then, yeah. man. Yeah. Well, I, I. Yeah, I can hear what you're saying, but I, <laughs> but there are certain things of which, like I, I don't know if it's like bad discipleship to just say that a you know if a kid's not trained in a soundboard that you know those sorts <laughs> of things. We do have kids that are, but do they have the time to show up at four o'clock to be able to do that? And so here's what I would say to that. Yeah
1: every one of those moments is a discipleship moment yeah i got you every one of it right so we had students who moved check cuz we were set up tear down ministry Right? So we were a big church. We didn't have a youth room. Yeah, We were a set-up, tear-down ministry yeah, sir, wholeheartedly. We. Yeah, And so we had students who moved chairs and set up chairs, and they owned that because they understood that was serving. We had students who owned doing sound and owned doing worship in a cafe, in yeah, yeah, yeah. a hospital, and you know, someone who would set up the video games and put away the video games. Yeah, yeah. And that's a hard thing to trust to a ninth-grade student. Like, okay, you you know where the switch is in my office. You can get into my office. Right, you can right, right, get right. the switch. Like. That's a big risk in trusting students with that sure. kind of. But I've here's what I would say: I've never been let down by trusting the students. Oh yeah, yeah. And the no, I've I, I, you know no doubt I've never, never been yeah. disappointed in them. I've never had them come up short. And so every step along the way and just building into those things has been great. And one of the hardest ones for me to turn over was teaching, right? I love teaching. I love preaching. It's something I'm good at. I'm a, I'm quite a good talker. But like I had to create a team of people yeah. that I was going to trust to teach and I those are nights when I will show up mm-hmm. because I want other people to see that I'm going to listen to them, teach. And so by the time I stepped away from Harvest, I had three adults and a student who could teach from the front. You want to talk about serious trust and and scary. Yeah. Tell tell your pastors, "Hey, we're going to have a student deliver the message this week yeah
2: yeah it was funny i was chuckling because i actually trust i trust our students and leaders more to teach than to turn on the soundboard
1: (laughs) (laughs) see and i'm more than willing to hand it because i don't i don't yeah like for me leading so i can play guitar and sing but for me leading worship is work i never feel more stressed and work than like doing sound and leading worship but there are people who genuinely feel fulfilled in serving by doing those things. And I'm so grateful that God created people like that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Just as I'm sure they're grateful that God created people like me who are like, I, they never want to stand up there and teach or whatever.
2: Yeah. I think that's a good challenge though. I I, I like the challenge within itself as a principle of like how, how often do you give yourself an opportunity to be off Mm -hmm. and allow the people who are, you know, working alongside of you to have that opportunity to kind of go, Mm -hmm. you know, Hey, we don't, we don't need Jeremy here, you know. We, you know. Mm-hmm. You know. We don't need Joel here. We don't need Dave here, and I think that's a good thing for you to also like feel as though you can have those nights off mm-hmm. where things are good. And, I, and I, anytime I'm not there, I feel fine about it. But yeah, I think like having an intentional thing that's a good that's a good challenge. Well, and, well, and
0: especially he, to take take that same thing to that that works in any context, right? Mm-hmm. You, well, what you're talking about here isn't just a a big church hack. No, um, no. But this is a context that can work because I think one of the things that I struggled with early in ministry was. Everyone told me, oh, you have to have a student leadership team. I'm like, (laughs) why? No, but you have to make a student leadership team. And if I'm being honest, every time I attempted, it it really struggled and it didn't Mm -hmm. serve the purpose it was meant to serve. But if I'd spent all that time instead of trying to, oh, how do we do an application? How do we do like all these Mm -hmm. things? If I'd spent more time saying, hey, what can I hand to students to lead? Mm-hmm. In specific ways, as opposed to saying, come join this team where you get recognized and now nope. I can walk around as, oh, hey. Well, I'm, hey, I'm on the student leadership team. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and that's that was a struggle. I, I tried more than once to create a student, an official student leadership team and, and found that as soon as we stopped doing whatever the like meeting structure thing was, it fizzled out. Um, And so that's when I was like, why don't we just start entrusting students to lead? Yeah. Um, And that gets back to your other question, right? Peak, right? So peak, I mean, 200 plus. Sure. You know, um, when we were doing, you know, regular week to week ministry, it was not uncommon to see over 100 students. Mm -hmm. When we were doing big stuff, 200 plus students, easy. Um, So how many volunteers would you need for that? For a 200 plus event? uh, About... 80 and shifts. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) You know, I mean, truly uh, just because of the level of, of what you're doing there. Some
2: people were like, where did you find them people? Yeah. How did, how would you even go about recruiting? So one of the,
1: well, one of the, you know, if you're, if you're a church of a hundred people, then yeah, that's going to be really hard to find 80 leaders. But if you're a church of thousand, 2000 people, like, you just got a bigger pond to fish in that's true you know percentage wise i'm catching about the same number of leaders that you guys are you just got a you got a bigger pond to fish in yeah um you know that's that's right, really what right. it comes those, down those, to yeah. Those and it's always true yeah. you got to have the ask right you got to be willing to go and ask yeah. for help and you got to cast the vision for this is why we're doing this thing and this is why it's good right right this is why you should invest in student ministry you know one of the conversations i have with every leader that comes to be a regular weekly volunteer is I tell them I expect you to be here every week. But I understand that sometimes you're not going to be able yeah, to. Yeah, for right? sure. Ideal I, versus real, yeah. Right. But, I, you know, having them understand that they matter, right? Their presence matters. I'll never forget we were doing our big church, all the campuses gather event, and, and one of the, the girls' small groups saw me, and, like, I was talking to them. And then out of the corner of their eye, one of them saw their one volunteer leader, and they all left me. They just abandoned. Like right. they didn't even end. The, they were just like gone. Yeah. And because they were so yeah. much more excited to see that leader right, than right, me. Right. 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 But that's how it should be. Your yeah, students absolutely. should be more excited
2: for their volunteers than for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. This has been a great conversation. I so I wanted to uh, kind of as um, well, we come to a close here, I wanted to just throw the question out there about like so what are if you're a large group. Or a large church ministry. What are some practical ways? We've talked about some practical yeah. things, but what are some practical ways in that context that, that people can improve their plan mm-hmm, for disciple-making? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh,
1: first, I think if you're a, a large church, even a smaller church trying to get to large, right, whatever you're, you know, if you're trying to grow, not just down into depth, but wide, um, get to a point where 50% of your upfront time is student led, okay. right? So, practically speaking, that's an easy one to just kind of break down and measure, right? So, if I'm teaching 20 minutes and we got 20 minutes of worship and 20 minutes of game, right? We've got an hour long time. 30 minutes needs to be student led, where there's not an adult up there doing it, yeah. and that's a challenge. But sure. that's intentionally building structure that allows for growth. Because if students are going to lead it, you got to pour, you got to train them up to it right you got to be building in and pouring it so that forces you to not just be the expert and to have the fanciest polished, just just thing going (laughs) but to actually invest in students um the other thing is think uh think impact on your time think return on investment so there was a little while there where I was working with and discipling pretty much any student that that I could. Right, I was running around, I was doing one-on-one Bible studies in homes, I was connecting with people. Just and, and some students were really into it, and some students weren't. Right, and, and at a certain point, I said, if I'm really going to make an impact with this, I need to be working with the students who really want it and who are really going to do something. Right, they're going to they're going to be a disciple who makes a disciple. Right. And so uh, one year I just decided to make our, our like, Bible study depth, right, heavy discipleship time hard to get to, mm. intentionally so. Um, made it early in the morning before school, <laughs> mm. uh, in the middle of the week, <laughs> right, and, and said, if you want it, come. Yeah. And, and 12 showed up, and 12 stayed with it, and we did it for two years. And it was hugely impactful because they wanted it. Yeah. Right, I had calls from parents telling me, "Hey, my kid really wants to go to this thing, but they can't." And I had to be like, "Then they can't." Right? Um, yeah, you know. And that's a hard thing to work through. But like, it's
0: helping teach them the the, the priority of their faith uh, instead of being pulled in every direction. And, well, and, and that's hard. Yeah. When
1: when Jesus went away and did depth, did he take five hundred people with him? No, right. Man, he right. took twelve, yeah. and that wasn't a, that wasn't an intention. That just oh, right. worked out that sure. way. Yeah, you know. But it's if you're going to multiply yourself into your leaders right and you're gonna try to get through that ceiling right that 50 person you got to think of i have to get the biggest return on investment for my time that i can otherwise i'm being a bottleneck again Mm -hmm. you know because if you've truly trained and trusted your leaders They're already discipling those students who aren't necessarily going to show up. Now, I'm not saying start an early morning discipleship study, but be intentional about where you're investing your discipleship efforts, Mm -hmm. because that's going to pay dividends for the rest of the students as well, right? Um, So we're not neglecting any. It's not that the other students aren't important. They absolutely are. Every student that walks through your door matters, and they should matter. They're not a number. They're a name. And we care about them. We pray for them. We love them. We invest in them. Right. The other thing is set and and expect what you want your leaders to be doing. Right. So if you're not creating regular follow up with your leaders on the things you want them to do, they're not going to do them. Right. So do you want your leaders to contact their small group every so often? Do you ask them if they're doing that? Yeah. (laughs) You know, uh, one of the things we talked about were rhythms of life. So we expected our leaders to be outside of our walls connecting with students. And so we had three things that we wanted them to keep in mind. How are they getting out into the community to connect with students? Who are they getting together with for fellowship and connection? And then who are they getting deep with? And that's one of the things that I just followed up with them regularly and modeled myself, right? So I'm doing these, they see me doing it, I do it with them so they get a feel for what we're expecting. But then it's following up, how did you get out into the community this month how did you get together how did you get deep Um, trying to think other practical little uh, other than the check-ins structure (laughs) yeah Um, yeah those are the big things right you gotta you gotta model it but you gotta like formalize it right informal works when you're the guy and you got about 50 when you're cresting that 50 you got to create formal structure. Otherwise, the thing falls down on itself. Yeah. you know, I've seen a lot of groups. Uh, and you see this in, in churches and in small groups. You see this in a lot of different ways. right? There's this ebb and flow of like, yeah, we're peaking. We're starting to get 50. We're starting at 60. And now we're back down to 40. The sure. And then we're back down, you know. Uh, and so recognizing what are those ceilings? What are those limits? Where are we starting to like, you know, what is it, sign curve or whatever, yeah. rather than growth structure. How are we, you know, yeah. math, uh, the right, bane yeah. of every youth pastor's yeah. existence. Um,
0: no, that's uh collecting registration forms for camp. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that is the bane. Did you sign the waiver?
2: <laughs> Dear God, sign this.
1: Way. <laughs> please, <laughs> please, please, sign oh, please, please, please. Oh, I didn't get the email. Yeah. You did. yeah. You Deadline did. was yesterday, and a student calls yeah. you the next day. Hey, can I still sign up? Mm-hmm. I'm going to put, I am I am a sucker for getting oh, a yeah. student for in sure. that I possibly can. Oh, yeah, yeah can. for sure. I, Absolutely. I, what I, we're talk, here for. I talk hard on deadlines, yeah, right, right, but right, right, I am right, such right, a softy right. when it comes yeah, to yeah. deadlines. <laughs> we're leaving for camp that
2: morning. Hey, can my son
1: probably? Yeah,
2: probably. Let me check, see if this <laughs> a spot Let me see what I can do. This is a spot for Awesome. Well, Dave, this is really good stuff. I hope that. This was helpful to anybody listening in here today. Um, We're just excited to have you, and and so glad to have you with you. Jeremy, any final words wrapping up?
0: Well, uh, again, and and for those of you that have stuck around, um, I hope you've been encouraged and blessed. Uh, I know I have, just to hear, um, one, the demystifying of what sometimes we think big church is, but also just uh, to hear your heart and your desire to uh, build up leaders who lead and make disciples, who make disciples, who make Mm -hmm. disciples. Um, Man, if if more churches and more folks could just get that vision. uh, And I think that's, that's what I hope you leave here today with is challenge yourself to do something to change so that disciples are making disciples. Mm -hmm. Um, And whether that's big structure things like you've talked about, or even that's just discipling one kid, um, in, in that way, I, I think one of the nuggets that I held on to was if you can't disciple one, mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to disciple more than that. Yeah, and so that's good. start with what's in front of you, um, stay faithful. It's, it's not easy sometimes. And, uh, there, there's ebb and flows in that. So that, that's just what's impacted me. I don't have any other thoughts. Did you have anything nope. to close out with? Fantastic. Well, uh, thank you again for joining us. If uh, you're listening on Apple podcast, please leave us a review. They really do help. Um, and if you're looking for a way to connect, you can find us on Instagram. All that stuff's down in the show notes. Uh, thank you so much. Tune in next time. We're going to be talking about our experience at camp and reliving some of that, talking yeah, through some of, of the that. reflections, Yeah, of what
2: God would do in a camp. Yeah. yeah.
0: So come and there might be some great stories there, too. So thanks so much. And we'll catch you in the next one. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Disciple Making Youth Ministry Podcast. We sure do hope you enjoyed it. If you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe wherever it is you consume your podcast. We hope you have been encouraged by what you have heard and you're ready to jump into the hard work of disciple making. Catch you on the next one.